Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Welcome to another episode of the Nourish with PCOS podcast. I am your host, Sam. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're having an awesome day. Um, This is just a really exciting season for me and PCOS Nutrition Company. I just wrapped up enrollment for the Balanced Blood Sugar with PCOS course. We have a great group of people and I do have a wait list. If you didn't catch enrollment this time around, I'm hoping to open the doors to that course again sometime after the new year. Um, So I'm just really, really excited to be able to offer this to you. And if you are participating, I'm super pumped. Um, so again, I'll put the um, link for that waitlist in the show notes. Uh, but a question that came up during the enrollment period is, you know, can you be an intuitive eater if you have insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, or type 2 diabetes? Um, And even if you didn't want to go in deep with intuitive eating, can you be more flexible with food? Can you approach food from a non-diet approach if you have elevated blood sugar or insulin resistance? This is a really great question, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. So let's just jump in. To answer the question, yes, you can absolutely be more flexible with food, let go of dieting, and or practice intuitive eating if you have insulin resistance, if you have prediabetes, and if you have type 2 diabetes. So before I jump into giving you a little bit more of an explanation about that, let's do a brief overview of what insulin resistance is with PCOS. Um, So a large majority of folks with PCOS have insulin resistance. Um, And this can progress over time into prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. So we kind of see this happen in stages for some people with PCOS. You may have this underlying insulin resistance, but when you get labs done like a fasting glucose or a hemoglobin A1C, maybe these are normal. Um, And then over time, insulin resistance can progress into elevated blood sugar. So the prediabetes range for um, elevated blood sugar is a fasting blood sugar or fasting glucose of 100 to 125 milligrams per deciliter or a hemoglobin A1C of 5.7 to 6.4%. Your hemoglobin A1C is a three-month average of your blood sugar. A fasting blood sugar or fasting glucose is just taking that lab just in that one moment in time. 
Uh, when we see numbers higher than that, that is what crosses over into the type 2 diabetes range. So that would be a fasting glucose of 126 milligrams per deciliter or above, or a hemoglobin A1C of 6.5% or higher. Now, in the haze space, in the non-diet space, there is a conversation, you know, is prediabetes a true medical diagnosis? There is definitely a lot of conversation about how that came to be and like the involvement of pharmaceutical companies in that conversation. For the sake of this episode and my work with clients, I do use the word prediabetes um, just in the sense that this is what you're told from your physician. So it helps with communication to know that we're talking about the same thing. And then also with PCOS, we do tend to see this progressive insulin resistance or a quicker jump from prediabetes, which is like just slightly elevated blood sugar, into type 2 diabetes. So I am aware of the conversation. I do agree with a lot of the points. And again, I am still using the word prediabetes more so for the sake of, you know, when a client works with me, that's the word that they use as well. So For a large majority of the clients that I work with, elevated blood sugar is a piece of the equation. It's a big piece in managing PCOS, and it's also a piece in helping you feel better. I mean, insulin resistance, that can lead to feeling tired, having sleep issues, cravings, always feeling hungry. And so for people that are really just not feeling great from the day-to-day managing insulin resistance is a piece of PCOS management. And I totally understand why there is a concern of, okay, I'm like not feeling great and I'm trying to manage PCOS and how can I do this, you know, and still be flexible with food. And I think that anytime we talk about diabetes, there's such a stigma around it and like such a fear that you may be willing to do anything um, to not see elevated blood sugar. And I really wish there wasn't as much of a stigma just because we do have so many great treatment options for elevated blood sugar. And there's also, you know, the component of insulin resistance with PCOS is something that is not your fault. It's something that's usually develops because of your PCOS. So I just wish that stigma wasn't there. Um, But that is kind of a rundown of insulin resistance and prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. And um, let's jump into talking about intuitive eating. So regardless of whether or not you have a medical condition a lot of the foundations of intuitive eating are the same, no matter what. Um, one of the first ones is our knowledge that dieting doesn't work for most people. So if you are making nutrition changes 
out of the pursuit for weight loss, what we see is that long term, this does not work for most people. Um, Most people who follow a diet will um, regain all of the weight that they lost on that diet within a two to five year period. And for 30 to 60 percent of people, you will regain more weight than you lost um, prior to the diet. Again, that's for most people. Of course, there may be some outliers, but for for the large majority, we see that dieting doesn't work. So regardless of what medical condition you have, we still know that to be the case. Um, Another piece of this is that regardless of whether or not you have a medical condition, we see that intentional weight loss efforts tend to cause more harm than good. Um, This weight cycling um, can lead to worsening insulin resistance and increased inflammation and depression, and it can affect um, cardiovascular health. And I feel really sad when somebody has a medical condition that already involves these, like PCOS, and they're told to lose weight to manage their PCOS, and this leads them into, you know, this diet cycle, and then they end up experiencing weight cycling, and no, and nobody is educated that this can actually cause worse health outcomes. So... The foundations of why intuitive eating exist, or even if you didn't want to go as deep as intuitive eating and you just wanted to be more flexible with food, this foundation doesn't change just because you have insulin resistance or elevated blood sugar. Also, the purpose of intuitive eating is to help you feel pleasant physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I think everyone deserves to feel that way, regardless of what medical conditions they have, regardless of what your labs may look like. Um, I think that for a lot of people who are trying to manage a medical condition by being really restrictive with food, I see that taking a toll mentally and emotionally. And intuitive eating is a framework that can kind of help you get recentered where, yeah, you're taking into account your physical health, but we're also thinking about mental health and emotional health too. So that's another component of it. And also, a big piece of intuitive eating is shifting your focus away from weight and instead focusing on your overall well-being. And again, if we look at that physical, mental, and emotional health, um, so often people are sacrificing their overall well-being in this pursuit of weight loss. And because our society and healthcare is so weight-centric, you just kind of feel or made to feel like those sacrifices or that toll on your well-being is worth it. Um, when in reality, we see when we're looking at all of the factors that go into health outcomes that that may not really be the case, that it may be more beneficial for you health-wise to be recentering yourself into this overall well-being. Um, and so 
that is kind of like the purpose of intuitive eating and that all of that is totally applicable um, whether you have a medical condition or not, whether you have elevated labs or not. If you want to do more of a deep dive into intuitive eating, I recommend listening to some earlier episodes of my podcast. I have three in a row. Um, I believe they're episodes 18, 19, and 20, where I walk you through all 10 principles of intuitive eating and then just give you a lot more information about how to be an intuitive eater. So if you're asking yourself, okay, Sam, I love the idea of this, but like, how do I actually practice intuitive eating with insulin resistance, with an elevated blood sugar, with an elevated A1C, like what are some steps that I can take? This is a really good question. Um, I find a lot with PCOS that sometimes we have to do deeper work to let go of the diet mentality because you've just been told over and over and over again to manage your PCOS, you have to cut out foods and you have to lose weight. So this is where I actually see a lot of people struggle with intuitive eating because sometimes it's really hard to let go of dieting on your own without the help of a trained professional. I think a lot of people think of letting go of dieting is like all of a sudden you're just eating whatever you want whenever you want and it's so much deeper than that it's really exploring your thoughts and feelings around food in your body and reflecting on how that has really served you um and for so many people they can you know go through their whole diet history and tell me how every single diet didn't work and all of the crappy things about it but at the end of the day you still are drawn back to that because that's what you've always felt like you should do so um i find that the diet mentality runs really deep with my clients who have pcos just because of your personal experiences so sometimes we have to do a lot of deeper work with that so i just want to give you a heads up about that One step with intuitive eating, and this is something that confuses a lot of people because if you ever read the intuitive eating book, there are 10 principles and gentle nutrition comes at the end. And letting go of the diet mentality is at the beginning of the principles. And that's so important that sometimes people feel like they should not approach gentle nutrition until they've gone through all of the other principles. And I do agree that if you are somebody who really, really struggles with disordered eating, that sometimes it's not as appropriate to focus on nutrition. Like it's going to cause more harm than good. But for a lot of the clients that I work with, incorporating a little bit of gentle nutrition, even in the beginning, is so helpful in just helping you feel better. You know, if you have insulin resistance that is progressing and you're not feeling great, you're feeling tired, your sleep is crappy, your energy levels are not great, um, that can take its toll on you. And so bringing in some gentle nutrition principles may help you balance blood sugar and get you feeling a little better. 
Um, so those are definitely some ways to think about intuitive eating with PCOS and some ways to approach it. A big way to practice gentle nutrition and be an intuitive eater when you have a medical condition that is affected by nutrition is to really focus on the addition of food and the addition of habits rather than approaching these from a place of restriction. Like how many times have you started a diet and you have a set of rules, you have serving sizes, you have um, way like so much structure that it's rigid. This is what a lot of dieting is about. It's about giving you these external factors to rely on. And it makes nutrition very black and white to where you you can really feel like you're messing up or doing something wrong. And there's really not a wrong way to approach food with intuitive eating when it comes to liberalizing your diet. So when I say the focus on adding things, like focusing on things that we know can help insulin resistance, like adding in protein and fat and fiber and, you know, we know that fruits and vegetables and eating the color of the rainbow can help with insulin sensitivity. It can help our body use that glucose better and prevent um, as high of spikes in our blood sugar. So focusing on the addition of those things instead of making your focus be centered around the restriction of carbohydrates. Same thing with habits, too. Um, you know, when we think about body movement, I find that a lot of the clients that I work with have a really hard time moving their bodies unless they're following some sort of external factor, like a plan, a guide, using a Fitbit or an Apple Watch to look at steps. And, you know, you have to find what works for you. But what if you gave yourself some flexibility to explore, you know, what you really liked or what felt pleasant to you instead of kind of setting up these rules where you can't put yourself in a position to feel like you've failed? So I would say that when it comes to intuitive eating with insulin resistance, this focus on addition with flexibility is really at the core of how you would approach nutrition. Another big piece of intuitive eating is observing what's going on with yourself with curiosity instead of judgment. So, you know, Nutrition can play a role in PCOS management, um, but I think what happens is when you start making a change and you have an expectation of what is going to happen and it doesn't happen that way, there's a sense of judgment of like, why did I do that? I'm failing again. Like, I wish I had more willpower. And approaching things with curiosity is more like, huh, I wonder why that happened or let me reflect on how that made me feel. And it's an it's a total mindset shift in how we approach nutrition and wellness um, because we are always receiving messaging that, 
is full of judgment, unfortunately, and it really doesn't serve us very well. I really encourage people to to lean into their own personal experiences. You may be able to reflect on things that have or haven't worked for you. And when you give yourself that space for reflection, you may discover um, deeper habits or things that you really want to implement or hold on to. All right. Well, I hope that this episode has been really helpful for you. I love specializing in this area because when you become more flexible with food and you really let go of the chains of dieting, it can really open up more doors for you to support your overall well-being. Um, That's something that's really rewarding about letting go of the diet mentality is it's not just about food. It's about tapping into who you are as a person and your values and what's important to you and defining yourself and defining your worth by more than just what you weigh or your health status. Um, So I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.